Welcome to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Daniel Hogan is in the studio. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Mathilde Chapai, and in just a moment, she's going to tell us all about what she is up to. Remember that you can email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media where we do post up-and-coming shows as well as recordings of our existing shows. And, of course, you can find us here at KPMF 102.5 FM. In just a moment, Mathilde will be with us. This is Heartstock. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Thanks for tuning in. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, speaking with you from my home studio here in Butte, Montana. It's a beautiful sunny day, a crisp 25, but um, it's a bit of an ice rink out there. A lot of melting and freezing going on this time of year here where we are in Montana. Today, our guest is Mathilde Chapai. She is speaking with us from Spain, and normally, I believe she's based in Germany. She is the founder and CEO of Sustain Your Style. Hi, Mathilde. How are you? Hello. Very good. Very good. (laughs) What are things like there where you are in Spain? Um, It seems we've kind of all tired of the whole COVID conversation, but I'm just wondering, how, how are things there with you? Uh, here, I'm in Madrid, and uh, things are now really relaxed. I mean, a lot of people uh, went through the the COVID in this winter, and, and because the case are going down, and everything is reopening, and it's pretty much back to normal, let's say. Oh, fingers crossed. Can you? Mm. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I, just, we're, I think we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop every day. But uh, onward, onward and upward. Can you give our listeners a little introduction here as to what it is that you do at Sustain Your Style? Sure, sure. So Sustain Your Style is a, is a non-profit organization and the main goal is to raise awareness about sustainability issues within the fashion industry. And more concretely, what we do is, so we have the, our main tool is our webpage where uh, people can find a lot of information on the Environment Act how can they look to reduce their impact when they get quite a lot of traffic and viewers? We have an Instagram account and uh, we connect a lot with students from all over the world, a lot, a lot in the US, teachers also who ask us to connect with the, the class to inform students about what the situation, how can they improve their impact or change things. Mm-hmm. And as we were chatting a little earlier before the show, 
You were saying that originally you're from France. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what may have influenced you to take on this challenge? Yes, of course. So, yeah, uh, originally I'm from France and uh, I grew up in Paris. And then I've been living in different places. Uh, I've been working most of my professional uh, career in uh, in supply chain. Mm, and then at some point I was working for a fashion company, very cheap production in, in Bangladesh. And that was in 2013. And that was the moment where, um, I, I don't know if you remember, this uh, factory collapse called the Rana Rana Plaza, and mm-hmm. it killed more than 1,000 workers. And basically, that was not the factory we, we were producing, but the next next door, right? So that was quite a shocking moment. I mean, I, I, I resigned. I, I quit this job a few months later, and then slowly, slowly, I had this raising concern because I, I do love fashion. I grew up in an environment where fashion is important. In Paris, we do love the way we dressing and I mean this is an important aspect and I still love it I think it's important to the way we choose our clothes because it says a lot of our mood of our personality a lot of things of who we are who we want people to look at us but then I, I was feeling more and more uncomfortable with my uh, compulsive uh, shopping and, and yeah, and accumulating clothes, when I realized most of it, it's made by people who are treated very badly and, and exploited. And then I, I realized the fashion production has a huge impact on the environment. And that aspect, I had no idea. I mean, I don't think most of us, we didn't grow up with, with having that in mind. So that was not really communicated uh, there were little information about that previously and so when I realized that I felt more and more uncomfortable with with consumption and so I was looking for option to continue shopping and, and, and let's say dressing the way I like and, and valuing fashion but also respecting uh, workers behind and not having any sad impact on our environment and for the future generation. Indeed. And I'm just curious what that experience was like being so up and close and personal to the tragedy in Bangladesh. What was that like? Well, for me, I was not very surprised. I knew that this business was not very clean. It was just like highlighting what it was. And to be honest, I was feeling a little bit ashamed that I was working for that. So, of course, uh, once need to find a job where <laughs> they find a salary. This was a time where it was quite a, economically difficult in Spain. So, uh, you know, that was a job I found. But, yeah, I, I was not feeling really proud of being part of this whole chain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was not very surprised at that. We, we have known for a lot of time that all the, the factories we've been um, delocating uh, to Asia, the, the, the conditions are quite bad. Although I think at some point I was thinking, 
yeah, the price are cheap because just the salaries are cheaper there because the, the cost of life is cheaper and because they produce in bigger quantities. So that, that's why it's cheaper. But it's it's more than that. It's cheaper because people are, are, are paid an amount that they could live decently with that. And costs are cut everywhere. So in the way the, the, the factories are built, in the way the wastewater are treated, every little step of the production costs are cut. This has been a recurring subject. You know, how do we as consumers, what is our role and are we really ready to face paying higher prices for true sustainable products and educational background and what it was like growing up in Paris. I mean, all kinds of lovely scenarios come to my mind. Uh, Paris is so beautiful, especially coming up this time of year. What was it like there? And did you know early on that you wanted a career in fashion? Uh, so my education uh, background is in business. I, I study I study international business. I was not planning at all to to work in fashion actually because many of my friends they did choose that way because we have in Paris we have a lot of uh, fashion brands. So I had several uh, good friends working in in Chanel, for example, in, in Dior, in, in this uh, luxury brand. And that was not really my my thing. Uh, of course, I mean, in, in Paris, people look at each other a lot. They look how you dress, they judge also. It's a very judgmental city, I guess. I didn't really like that because I like better places where people can do whatever they want and dress whatever they want and feel free and not judged. So that's a little bit how it was growing up in, in Paris, I guess, but also with uh, other amazing uh, aspects because uh, it's a very dense city. So I don't know, compared to, to the States, I, I can't imagine that we were, I guess, very free from early age and moving on our own and discovering a lot of things, also culturally. Uh, a lot of things happening, and it's it's a lot of different uh, social class mixed. Uh, there are really wealthy people uh, wearing luxury, and you can one day be in a party with these kind of people, and the other day having your friend from the suburb who's very quite poor family, but having more fun, maybe I don't know, <laughs> spending time in the street. So this is like a little bit how we grew up, I guess. I was never thinking I would end up working with fashion. And what were your aims and goals and how did uh, your path change? What what made you decide to go into fashion? Yeah, so I guess for me, what was always important with my career was a little bit the the purpose of of what I was doing. So I started with humanitarian help and I work with relief logistic in crisis such as uh, Haiti after the earthquake in 2010. I was working in Pakistan because that's really fulfilled me in terms of goal because the the work I was doing was I could see the the use of it and, and it was hopefully relieving people 
And after that, I, I, I decided to stop this work to, to have a more stable life because it was a little bit hectic. And uh, I worked in the solar industry again because I, I like the purpose of it. And then I work in the, for the Olympic Games, which was a very different uh, chapter. But I, I also liked a lot the purpose of the Olympic Games, even if there are some scandal around, around it. But the initial purpose is still very, very nice. And after that, I was, yeah, at this, uh, the situation, because I had this, this idea of, uh, of a business, which is, is not sustain your style, actually. What I, I started is, is called, now it's called SANE, Standard is Certification for Sustainable Fashion Products. And I had this, this idea of, of, of certification, and I started having that in mind, and I couldn't think about other things. I started doing a business research, uh, market uh, study, and see what it was. See, So I did so much research on this subject. I accumulated so much information. I wanted to do something with this information and to share it. And that's when I created Sustain Your Style website. And that's when Sustain Your Style, uh, yeah, appear a little bit it was not planned, it was by coincidence because it was to to store <laughs> all the the information uh, I accumulated. So we're going to take our midway point break here in just a moment. We will be back with Mathilde, the founder of Sustain Your Style. This is Heartstock. This is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. We were just speaking with our guest, Mathilde Chappé. She's the founder of Sustain Your Style. And what what would you say is your mission overall at Sustain Your Style as things have kind of, I would imagine, evolved over time? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it has evolved a lot from the time we launched in 2017 and now. The, in general, the awareness of the population has grown. I think um, the subject of sustainability and fashion is much more present. Also, the fashion brand realized that they, they, they needed to do some effort. A lot of young people are looking for alternatives and realize that's overconsumption and the, the style of the production uh, was not really what they were looking for. So it, things that have changed in, in terms of awareness, in terms of the reality of the, the, the fashion industry and the impact, I'm not so sure that's changed a lot. I think it's still a lot to do. And... Yeah, as a, as a goal, I guess, uh, adding a little uh, drop in the ocean. If it, I mean, if people just get aware and start thinking, oh, maybe the way I'm consuming is, is, has an impact and will, will have an impact on future generation, and it would be interesting to, to rethink the way 
I do and the way we do, I think this is this is basically the goal of sustainable science. Mm-hmm. And we've had uh, conversations about this also with previous guests. You know, are we going to make the total changes that we need and um, have the impact that's needed via consumers changing their habits, brands changing what they do, a combination of both? What's what's your take on this? I guess really what's in the forefront of my mind is that <laughs> consumers – if we rely on consumers to change their behavior, the change will be very slow, as opposed to yeah. if brands and fashion producers change their mode of operation, the change will be quicker. What's your, what's your take on this? Mm. Yeah, I believe it's a mix of that and also governmental regulation. Oh, yes. Because I, I don't, personally, I, I don't, really trust brands in general they are there to make money and business and usually not all of course but usually a company will try to make as much profit as they can and that's not always compatible with a sustainability goal and consumers of course we are more and more conscious of the impact of our own consumption tomorrow and the future generation and, and, and the reality, but still people have some challenges in terms of spending their money. They don't want to spend too much. They still want to 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 dress in a way they, they feel good about themselves. And maybe sometimes there is some peer pressure for the youngest, but not only for the youngest. So, I mean, in the end, we're all a little bit uh, individualist and, and we look uh, to our interest. And so it's, it's, it's a mix of that. I, I believe more and more consumers would choose products that are made in a sustainable way. So more and more brands will look at it as a, as a business opportunity and also not doing it, they would see it as a business risk that they they might lose their their consumer because if any scandal uh, appear then then the the reputational risk is quite big but of course uh, it also has to to come with certain uh, politic uh, regulation because that's that's sometimes helps to accelerate maybe there could be incentive for uh, certain specific type of production or or new technologies that uh, that improve the, the the impacts of production and things like that. I think it's a mix. Everybody needs to to work in that direction. So, can you take us on your journey? Um, it sounded like you had uh, launched in 2017, and how were you funded? How were you able to make all of this happen? Basically, mostly. Mm, uh, I, I, I did myself most of the page and then uh, continuing I had the, uh, some collaboration with uh, other people some of them on a voluntary some of them paid we do have a little bit of consulting for fashion 
brands uh, who are looking for improve their production. So through that, we generate we generate some revenue. Yeah, we generate some little revenues, and that can help us to to develop the business. But it's it's rather limited. It's it's I mean it's still a non-profit, so so it's not a, a big money <laughs> machine. Indeed, and can you tell us a little bit about what lays ahead? What do you have planned for the future? I mean, if you had a magic wand and you could wave it, how would you like to see your your nonprofit change moving forward? I, I like the the goal of it, so I would I, I would be really happy to be able to provide more and more content, relevant content, maybe some uh, to, to, to set up some events or to participate to, to conference, to, to be part of this uh, discussion. And in terms of, of revenue, I think this consulting part is interesting. I think this is the most relevant one. I mean, of course, there are some possibility of revenue with with content, with uh, affiliation, but it's it's a little bit difficult because uh, the the company who are like wanting to to use this this way, they're not always in line with what we're saying. So sometimes there is some conflict of interest. Yes. And as far as the consulting goes, I would imagine, you know, there's um, some common threads that uh, all of us in, in the fashion world need to change and areas we need to make improvements in. And I'm just wondering, what, what kind of good words of advice do you have for brands? I mean, what's some of the common things that you see best bang for the buck, so to speak, where brands can make some great improvements? Um, Of course, it depends where they're starting. Uh, I guess the the choice of the material has a big impact uh, on the environmental impact. So, of course, choosing more sustainable material, such as recycled, organic, natural fiber, can change a lot the the impact of the of a, of a, of a product, but I guess on the social aspect, choosing well the the provider and 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 looking at the quality certification and social certification is important uh, because they they there are some abuse uh, of workers everywhere in the world and um, so that like to have a due diligence in the supply chain I think is important is important for ethically is important but it's also important for consumer more and more consumer are looking at that so so that that's quite uh, that's quite important and I would also advise because today still it's uh, some brands can go through with a nice communication, which is not always meaningful effort, and it's a little bit of greenwashing, but this is not going to work tomorrow. People are getting more and more informed and more and more critical about what 
brands are saying, and, and I don't think they can go through with this uh, kind of communication very long. <laughs> so we've got about three minutes left, and I'm wondering if you can give us a shout out to anybody who's doing it right. You know, maybe brands that you know of or brands that you've worked with that have made some some great changes and implemented more sustainable practices. And then, of course, we'd love for you to share how folks might be able to contact you and find you. Sure. I mean, there there are quite a lot of brands that are really making a lot of efforts and and looking through their supply chain producing with the system. I mean, in the U.S., for, I mean, it's, it's very known, but uh, Patagonia in, is an example of, uh, in, in that way. But there are other brands. Uh, I think Pangaya is quite uh, it's quite good in that. In, in Europe, there is quite a lot of brands. I, I really like the work of uh, Nudie's Gin for, mm. for Denim or Kings of Indigo. So there, there are great brands out there doing really like looking at the environmental impact and uh, and working uh, condition. So you said Patagonia, and, uh, yeah. Patagonia, Kings of Indigo, and and what were the other ones again, please? New D jeans. New New D. New D and yeah. New D I E jeans, and but in general we. Have have in Sustain Your Style, we have a list of brands that mm. we we like and we have it divided by by uh, one section for US and I mean North America, also Canada, which is more relevant, I guess, for you audience because it's not really always uh, easy or it doesn't make sense to 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 ship uh, products uh, across the Atlantic. So um, so yeah, we have a list of uh, of, of brand that we we looking very deeply to uh, in the requirements how they produce what materials they use and we only featured brand that what well, basically we we've scanned and and approved so they can rely on that mm-hmm. uh, but in general i also we we always um, encourage people to to do to buy second hand as much as they, they can because it's always uh, indeed and how might folks find you so they can they can look at the website it's sustainyourstyle.org and our instagram is also sustainyourstyle so it should be quite easy to find us mm-hmm. and thank you so much for being on Heartstock and uh, the work that you're doing you have a very fascinating background, and I'm always amazed at how diverse most entrepreneurs' backgrounds are. It's just, it's beautiful. I love it. Well, thanks a lot for the program. It's, it's a very nice concept of podcast, and thanks for yeah taking the time to listen to me. <laughs> yes, indeed. And this is Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy. We shall be back next week. Until then, peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. 
Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign there, and on the sign it said, No trespassing, but on the other side.